This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu. How do you treat someone who has a terminal illness? How do you talk to them? How do you support them? Those questions feel close to impossible to answer. So we brought in some people today who might be able to help us figure out the answers. Hey guys, I'm Adia Hansen. And I'm Corbin Smith. Together we are going to explore the nursing profession. With exclusive interviews from nurses working in jobs you want to know about. Transferring info from one nurse to another. This is the College Handoff. Hey guys, and welcome back to the College Handoff. In our episode today, we're going to talk to four awesome guests, and they're going to teach us a ton. We're going to start by talking to Sarah Brady. She is an awesome dialysis nurse who works at DeVita Healthcare. She's going to tell us all about her job, working with people experiencing kidney failure, and how rewarding dialysis is, and why you should consider it as a career. Second, we'll have a trio from Dignity Home Health and Hospice. We'll talk to the owner, the chief nursing officer, and a chaplain about their various roles in hospice care. Are you interested in working in end-of-life care? If so, this episode is for you. Let's get started. All right, guys, listen to this. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention of the CDC, approximately 15% or 37 million people are estimated to have a chronic kidney disease. Dialysis nurses provide care to those patients as well as patients that are experiencing any other kind of kidney-related problem. So we wanted to bring in our guest today, Sarah Brady. She is the Senior Director of Clinical Services for DeVita Kidney Care, and she's in charge of overseeing all of the nursing and clinical services for the Mountain West, Pacific Northwest and Northern California region. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. Can you introduce yourself a little bit further? Sure. Um, For those of you out there who are pursuing nursing, I have been a fellow nurse for about 25 years now, and my career spans multiple specialties. And um, I've also been a professor at a couple of universities, and I'm just really excited to be a part of this and share my love and um, excitement for nephrology nursing and the way in which we care for patients with kidney issues. Yeah, we are so excited to have you as well. You are the first guest we've had on our show so far that does this specific type of nursing, dialysis nursing, and working with the kidney and stuff like that. So just to kind of start off, I wanted to ask you, what is a dialysis nurse? What does the job look like? You know, I think a dialysis nurse is one of those specialties that really only 3.5% of all nurses in the United States have this as kind of a a role that they've held in their nursing career. So it's a really specialized field. But what I think that we don't know uh, as much about, especially while you're going through nursing school or you're trying to pick your future career, is that a dialysis nurse not only supports those patients that have chronic kidney issues um, and that need support to ensure that we get this life-saving treatment to them, but it also allows you to use these critical thinking skills, much like you did on med surge and critical care. We do urgent care. But I think the number one thing that's really exciting about nephrology nursing is the fact that we get to build relationships with our patients. So here's these patients that require us to use these complex thought processes while we get to build relationships four hours 
three times a week with them and really learn about them and their family and just kind of create this loving atmosphere in which we give this life-saving care to. That's interesting. So obviously a dialysis nurse does different things than what a general RN would do. So what are some of the certifications that are needed to become a dialysis nurse? You know, what's great about, especially the company that I work for, is that we welcome new grads. We actually have a year-long onboarding process to help them learn about dialysis, to feel confident in being that type of uh, specialty role, um, to learn how to lead other people within the clinic. Um, And then there are certain certifications that you can pursue as you gain additional experiences. And those are some that are recognized by the American Association of Nursing, um, there's a lot of dialysis specialties that we actually will pay for you to get um, because we do believe in continuous education when you do enter this field. Tell me a little bit more about DaVita Kidney Care. I imagine that a lot of those who are listening haven't heard of DaVita Kidney Care before or, or that organization. So can you tell our listeners and me a little bit more about your organization and its history? Sure. Um Savita is a comprehensive kidney care company. We also do some other aspects of some preventative care. We have um, some physician groups that we support, but we really operate in over 3,000 different locations across the United States, and we continue to grow. We also have some worldwide centers that we operate in, from Saudi Arabia to Brazil. Um, You know, we really do try to keep our fingers out there to really support these patients that have these kidney issues across the world. Um, And I think what's really exciting is we also have uh, 55,000 different uh, teammates. We don't call them like employees or anything like that. We actually call them teammates. And what Davida is known for is where we call ourselves the village and the fact that it takes a village to care for the world around us. And we treat each other like we, like family. We also really focus on just, making sure that we have this positive footprint in the world around us through, you know, outreach, through volunteerism, you know, anything you can name and think about um, in, in the way we help the world around us is, is what we really focus on in Davida. So now, Sarah, we've talked a lot about Davida and we've talked about what a dialysis nurse is, but I kind of want to get deeper into what really makes it so special because you already noted why you love it so much and I wanted to go a little bit deeper in that. And I wanted to ask you, what is the most rewarding part that you found about being a dialysis nurse? You know, the most rewarding place that I found is that you have these patients who are sometimes threatened with an end-stage disease process where every day becomes this extra moment that they get to spend with the people that they love. And so for me, the idea that I get to share in that and create more moments for them to be with the people that they love and to live their life and feel the best that they possibly can um, feel during this disease process is like overwhelmingly rewarding and actually brings tears to my eyes all the time that I can, you know, recount several stories of just the ways in which we and I have gotten to connect with people on a deeper level when they're probably at their most vulnerable and you're able to kind of coach and nurture them and, and help them feel better and just celebrate the life that they do have. It really is a compassionate job. It requires so much compassion and empathy, doesn't it? Absolutely. So that being said, why should students look to become a dialysis nurse? You know, I think when I think about nursing, I, I don't think that there is a, um, 
lack of opportunities that you have. But I also think that sometimes some of these smaller specialties like nephrology nursing, we don't learn about it as much. And we're often told to follow a certain trajectory, like, you know, every new grad nurse to go work in med surge and then spend some time there and then move on to a different specialty within the acute care setting like hospitals. But I think there's this whole world of nursing care that you can be a part of that maybe you just haven't had exposure to yet. Um, such as nephrology nursing, where you get to not only, you know, really work with patients who can have some serious complications and, and need for you to respond and react quickly, but you also just get to learn and be a part of their lives and um, and really deliver just this holistic, compassionate care. And so I would just encourage you to keep your eyes and your minds open to all the different possibilities you have as a nurse, but hopefully somewhere in there, nephrology nursing is on that list for most people. So could you tell us a little bit more about what DeVito looks for in nursing candidates and what grads can do right now to apply? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we actually have a different role within our company, which is called a patient care technician. Um, you can think of it like a CNA might be thought of at the hospital. That's really a support role for the nurses within the centers. And we encourage people to even think about taking those roles on while they're in nursing school um, to kind of get them that experience and that exposure to what the dialysis centers are like. But if they don't do that, we accept new grads and we're looking for people that really represent the core values of, of our company, which is, um, you know, continuing to provide this holistic patient care, people that are excited about developing relationships with their patients and ensuring that their complex medical needs are taken care of. So we welcome new grads, we'll train you, we will support you. Uh, we welcome seasoned people, and we also welcome people who just want to dip their toe in and maybe work in a different role while they're in nursing school. So all are welcome. Perfect. Yeah, all are welcome. And how do you apply for those? Do you go online? Do you have to find somebody yep. on LinkedIn? Nope. You absolutely can just go to that careers.savita.com, and it should give you everything you need to know. There you go. Perfect. And I wish we had more time where we could sit and talk about all these amazing programs that you have, but is there a place that those who are listening could find a little bit more or read a little bit more about the programs that are going on maybe on your website? Absolutely. Um, I would encourage anybody who's interested to just simply go to the career sourcing site, which is careers.devita.com. And uh, you should be able to see what type of opportunities are out there, a lot more um, about our company and the different development opportunities that nurses have within the village. And, you know, really, we're always looking for amazing new nurses to join this specialty field and, and hope that people are interested and want to come and be part of the village with me. But Sarah, now that we have it come to the end of our time, I wanted to ask if there's any way that those who are listening could reach out to you. Do you have a LinkedIn that they could find? I do. And I welcome anybody to LinkedIn and become my buddy and my network. Um, and it's Sarah Brady. It's S-A-R-A, no H. Um, and Brady like Brady Bunch. And you'll see me in, in my profile and I welcome uh, your outreach and I look forward to hopefully connecting with many of you. Yeah. We are so thankful that you've taken the time to talk to us, Sarah, and we appreciate you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you having me and I wish you all the best in your future and just so proud for you to join this amazing profession. Twice a year, the BYU College of Nursing accepts nominations for DAISY Awards. 
DAISY Awards are given to nursing professors or students who reflect compassion and exemplify the healer's art. Submit the name of a deserving peer or coworker with a couple of examples of how they show compassion at nursing.byu.edu. The entry will be open until February 5th, so nominate today. Okay, today we're here with a few special guests from Dignity Home Health and Hospice Care. Right now I'm with Tara Joyner. How are you today, Tara? I'm good. The sun is shining. Still. It is. Still. <laughs> <laughs> and introduce yourself a little bit for us. I actually work for Dignity Home Health and Hospice, and I did go back to school for a chaplaincy certification. And after um, almost two years of going through that, I found Dignity Home Health and Hospice, and they were in need of a chaplain. And so that's how I joined the team. Perfect. And what do you do as a chaplain? Oh, boy. So chaplain role has a lot of different elements to it. Um, You know, people, a lot of times they get a preconceived notion of what a chaplain is. And I know when I was doing my internship at a hospital, we decided to make a name badge that said spiritual care coordinator or advisor because chaplain people would think, oh, I'm not, I don't need a Catholic priest. And expecting, you know, somebody from the Catholic diocese to come in and, and do last rites. And so um, we have found that it's, it's a little bit beneficial to say spiritual care coordinator because everybody needs to grieve. Everybody has to go through that process, regardless of whether you're atheist, whatever background you come from. It's Alan Wolfelt, he likens it to a two liter pop bottle. And if you were to take that, if I had a two liter pop bottle right here and I shook it and then I go to open that top, what's going to happen? It's going to explode. <laughs> exactly. So when you say those exact words, it's going to explode. That's we as humans. That's what happens to us. So, so many people, um, they grieve differently. And I, I hear families, they'll get angry with mom or dad because they're not grieving the way they're grieving. Mm. I haven't seen you cry. Are you even sad? And then it creates conflict with those two family members. So once they do this little eight-week curriculum, it makes it to where they understand, okay, my way is not your way. My belief is not your belief. So it enables everybody to, we're in a culture right now where we all are having to be accepting of a lot of different things throughout our, our day-to-day walk. And so um, end of life and grieving is part of that, accepting everybody where they're at. And that's, to, I mean, interesting thing. I don't read the notes before I go meet with a patient because I don't want any preconceived notion. I want to be led where I'm supposed to go, where God wants me to go with that patient. So I don't know any family dynamics. I don't know who's getting along, Aunt Susie that may be fighting with, you know, Billy over here. Um, My job is to find out, have they thought about funeral arrangements? You know, you'd be surprised at how many people don't have those plans in place while they're on hospice. Um, so there's a lot of aspects to a chaplain that hopefully I've touched on a few today. Yeah, that's really neat. I, something that I learned from nursing school is that spirituality doesn't always have to do with religion, mm-hmm. which Absolutely. yeah, kind of just goes along with what you're talking about. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tara, for coming in. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure to be in today. Thank you for having me. We're also here today with Marquet Funk, and she's a hospice nurse for Dignity Home Health and Hospice Care. Marquet, introduce yourself a little bit to us. So my name's Marquet. I am director of Dignity Home Care and Hospice, and I have been a nurse for about 35 years. Um, graduated right, got in nursing right out of high school and graduated when I was like 21, 22. So I've been doing this for quite a while. Um, I have a background. I started in the hospitals with uh, ER, ICU, loved float pool. Um, and then I had the opportunity to become an assistant director of nursing for a home health and hospice company and got to learn hospice and um, fell in love with that genre of nursing and that angle. And what is your role in the team for each patient as a nurse? So as director of nursing, on my side now, um, my role is to make sure each nurse feels supported, that they can call anytime they need. Um, I'm not afraid to go out in the field with them. Um, and I want them to know and that the patients to know that, you know, if we need a phone call, we need someone there, there'll be backup. Um, and if I have been given the role of case manager, then my role is to take care of the medical um, needs of that patient and to coordinate and help manage that the, you know, um, <laughs> the social worker gets out there and is taking that role or I make a phone call. Um, I'm making sure that I have the chaplain or the spiritual guider, you know, taking care of guidance, taken care of. Um, and then we have what's called a tiger text other people use, you know, there's lots of different angles of um, communication in the media, but we'll put out our visit that day and each of us put our visits on so that we're communicating and we're seeing what each part of that team has done, what they've talked about. And so that we're for sure taking care of that patient in the very best way possible. Yeah, that's so neat. That's something that's so unique to community health too. Nurses just play such a big coordinating role. And if I guess if I was going to say the biggest role that anybody can play is communication. Yeah. You know, and if we're communicating and we're taking care of what we've done and communicating that to each team member in any role we're in, in the hospital, you know, if a family member gives us some information like, hey, you need to put this phone number on the chart. If that person drops the ball, that phone number, that's crucial. If somebody passes or needs to get hold of a family member, doesn't get there, then we've got a piece missing. So communication and especially like going into assisted livings, you know, because we go into so many different assisted livings, we need to be communicating with the nurse that's in there. We need to be communicating with their head CNA, with who the family needs to be called each visit so they know that we've been there, that we are taking care of their loved one. Um, so communication is key to nursing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I completely agree. Would you recommend going into hospice nursing right out of RN school? Um, you know what? Some of my very best nurses. Yes. Really? Because you, wherever you train, it becomes yours. Mm -hmm. And um, it's one of those things where you're either going to like it or it's not for you. Right. Um, and you find that through your nursing 
you know, um, preceptors and through the different uh, areas you get to work, you kind of pick your favorite place, you know, and be it OBGYN or, you know, you'll find your niche in ER. But I think many times, you know, um, we get out of school and we don't even think about hospice or home health. And again, you know, if, if um, you've already started your family and you've got little kids, it's so much fun to say, I've got four visits today and I'll be seeing them between eight and one and you're done. And you don't have 12 hours in the hospital and you've got this, you know, ability to get home. Um, so it works for anybody and you're going to train. They're going to, you know, we train and have a, quite a, a great training program and you get to go out with other nurses. So you're not on your own until you're ready. Yeah. And just like in the hospital, you know, we're they're not going to leave you until you're ready. Mm -hmm. And so you've got the same training process in that, in that genre of nursing. Yeah. That's so great. Um, thank you so much, Markay. Thank for you. And, talking to us. and good luck to you. I'm so excited for your journey. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a good one. We are also here today with John Mather. He's the owner and also a social worker in Dignity Home Health and Hospice Care. John, can you introduce yourself to us a little? Sure. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, my name is John Mather. Um, I have been uh, in health care for about 21 years. I started as a social worker in uh, a nursing home and uh, fell in love with uh, working with people that are, that are a little bit older. Um, been doing it for 20 years. I've been uh, doing social work in the beginning. Um, and then I uh, got a degree in um, health facility uh, management. Uh, I ran nursing homes. And then I uh, started uh, my first company, which was a hospice company, and ran that for eight and a half years. And then I bought Dignity Home Health and Hospice a year and a half ago. And I've been doing that ever since. Wow, that's such a cool career path. Yeah. And for Dignity specifically, what type of home health services does it offer? Sure. So home health on the home health side, um, we offer uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, uh, speech therapy, um, massage therapy, uh, and social work, nursing, CNA. That's so cool. And part of our purpose today is to talk to you guys about job opportunities for students too. What is something that you're looking for in nursing candidates? Um, we want someone with that personality that we're looking for first before even the training, the training's helpful in the, in the, from the hospitals and other things. And it's, and it's good to have, but if, I mean, you can, you can have a nurse that has all the experience in the world, but you can't train them to treat someone, you know, with respect and things if they don't have that in them already. And so, and I can't remember, I'm trying to think of the adage that we always use, you know, you have, you know, all that experience, but you just can't, you can't train them to be the person that you need. For instance, one of our home health nurses that now does all of our quality assurance, she was brought right out of school. And she was the director of nursing for a home health company without any experience. And, uh, and she learned it all on her own. And uh, she has the personality that we look for. Her name's Taya. And uh, she's awesome. Uh, cares about people, knows her stuff, and willing to learn. You'll never know everything. Uh, but if you're willing to ask the questions and do the research or, or um, find out, then, you know, then's where you, you begin your training. Because there's some people that think that they know everything, and that's where their training stops. 
Yeah, and I can see why that caring personality makes such a difference because mm-hmm. it's like during some of these people's most painful, scary moments. Yeah, and a lot of families are thrust into this whole experience. They're at the hospital. Their loved one either needs home health or hospice. What do we do? Um, the, they're talking to the discharge planners, not sure, have a lot of questions. And I think one thing that really just kind of upsets me most, and I'm a social worker, I was a discharge planner, is that we have a lot of people that are taking advantage of seniors and their families. Yeah. And I think it's sad that they are doing that. Um, uh, they're a, a vulnerable um, population and shouldn't be taken advantage of. And so our whole goal, and when I met Mark Kay, uh, a year and a half ago, she had, you know, what I was looking for um, is caring about people first. You know, when we sit in the interviews and one of the things that we look for, you know, after we found that person out, we let them know, you know, we've been doing this a long time and all of us are looking for flexibility. We're looking uh, to be with our families. We're looking for a, a culture and a, a place that we enjoy working at, that we don't have the pecking order. We don't uh, treat each other with disrespect. We treat each other with respect, and that's the culture that we're trying to develop. But there's nothing like the flexibility of home health and hospice. Um, like Marcia Kay said, you, you, know, you can pick how many visits you want, and then you're home. And uh, you're not doing those 12-hour shifts. You're not, you know, a lot of nurses burn out at the hospitals and other places, but a lot of people are drawn here because of the flexibility and the enjoyment of their job and actually doing patient care. The nurses in home health and hospice are an extension of the doctor. And I think a lot of people with that personality enjoy that. They are making decisions. They are, you know, providing that care that they need and not just read an order, go do this. And so. Yeah, that's so neat. You have to be so self-sufficient. Yes, to be very much nurse. so. Mm-hmm. And you have to trust yourself. Yeah. Again, not knowing everything, but you have to trust yourself in that team that if you don't know, ask, but also, hey, you know what? I had that, you know, I've had training, you know, rely on what you know mm-hmm. and show confidence. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then for students that want to apply, how can they do that? So uh, with us, um, basically just go on our website, uh, dignityhealthcare.com. Uh, yeah, um, or they can call me uh, directly on my cell phone. I'm always available. We're looking for great nurses that uh, love to take care of patients. Perfect. Thank you so much, John, for coming and talking to us. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Okay, Corbin. So over the past 21 episodes, we have talked to so many hospitals, companies, organizations, and there's so much information. There's so many jobs, volunteer opportunities, and internships that I could choose right now in nursing school and after I graduate. So you work with your major's organization, PRSSA, right? What do I do with all this information that I have now? Yeah, that's like, that's a good question. Um, I'm no expert when it comes to getting jobs or anything like that, but in PRSSA, I have worked a lot with professors and different professionals when it comes to professional development. And I feel like there's a five-step process that students could really follow to have much more success looking for a job and connecting with individuals than they currently are. And the first step is setting a goal before you do anything else. If you start reaching out to a ton of people and you don't know where you want to end up, you're just going to blindly reach out to people and people are going to respond and you're going to have nothing to say. So set a goal of where you want to go 
and reach out to people that specifically can help you get there or can specifically teach you about things that you need to get there. The second thing is just reach out to more people that you think you would need to. Um, I know when I apply for internships, I apply to at least 20 of them, which sometimes feels over the top, but not all 20 of them are going to respond. And if I really, really want an internship, I've got to just throw my net out and see how many fish I can catch. After that is sincerely ask questions. And when you're specifically asking questions to people that have been on the podcast, tell them that you heard about them through the podcast. It will create an avenue, an easy way to start a conversation that you heard them here and ask them questions. But step four is don't ask about a job right away. If you ask about a job right away, they're going to get turned off a little bit because they think it's just a student asking for a job, which they don't give out for free, obviously. So ask questions that are going to help you understand what they do. Ask questions that help you understand what their organization's purpose is and why they hire the people that they hire. When they are looking for people to hire in the future, your name is going to be one of the first names that come into their mind because you have already established this relationship and you've already shown to them that you care about their organization, that you care about the job and that you care about building a network and getting a job and getting to where you really want to be, which again, the importance of setting goals. And then ask everybody about resume tips. That's step five. Your resume is never perfect. Even if you think it's perfect, it's never going to be perfect. So ask your boss, ask your coworkers, ask your friends, ask people who reject you from jobs, ask them about your resume, what you can do to build it, what you can do to make it better, what you can do to in the future, be more qualified for a job that may be similar. But apart from those five steps, just go for it do it. Go out and reach out to a lot of people. This is what the podcast is for. We want you to build relationships and find opportunities to get jobs to change the world. Um, going out on a limb is really hard, but if you do it, you'll definitely get to a place where you want to be. Yeah, I can totally testify to just going for it. With the podcast, when you guys sent out a survey about maybe doing one, I sent an email back because I just am obsessed with podcasts a little bit and asked <laughs> if I could get involved somehow. And that's how I'm here today. And I think a lot of jobs are gained through that. Just going out on a limb, like you said, and really just taking advantage of what you've heard about, especially on this podcast, because there are so many cool people that come in and there's so many opportunities that they have opened up for you guys to take advantage of. Exactly. I agree. Pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone when it comes to networking, comes to finding a job, it will always be a positive thing. But that being said, if you guys do end up reaching out to somebody, like we want to know about it. We want to know what happened, how you did it. So reach out to us on Instagram, reach out to us at nursingpr at byu.edu. Tell us these success stories because we really want to know. But until then, thank you for tuning in. See you next week. See you all next week.